You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 255. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. This is your Craig James was cut emergency podcast. Uh, and we'll also touch on some newsy items like the Eagles' new black helmet, which we already knew what it was going to look like because Jeffrey Lurie said so in March of this year. But we finally got a first look at it. Uh, And then this episode, we will be going over all of the reasons for optimism for the Eagles' 2022 season during the last episode. In case you missed that, we went through all the reasons for pessimism or concerns or whatever. Uh, So we we aren't just haters. We're going to get to the good stuff after we got to the bad. Brandon... How are you, buddy? Jimmy, training camp is essentially here. The Eagles report to the Novacare Complex this Tuesday, July 26th. They will then have their first training camp practice on July 27th, the Wednesday. So we're here, Jimmy. Uh, obviously, some NFL training camps around the league have already open, mm-hmm. opened. I know the Raiders are like practicing already, some other teams. So it's here. The season is here. And so is a wave of optimism, as we will talk about on this podcast. But not before we talk about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can go and get by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Go do it. Why not? If training camp's here, Jimmy. You need a snack to help curb your overly enthusiastic appetite. For Eagles news, which we obviously be helping you with in terms of providing podcasts and articles and all that. But let's be real. The hunger can't be satiated. You need some right to sell and craft jerky in your life as well. Do you disagree? Well, did you also I, – I agree, of course. But did you also see Rich Bobby's tweet at us before we just started recording here? I don't think I did. I think I, I did not check Twitter. He took a picture of his dog. Wow. Next what to timing? a bag of wild nature snacks, I believe. Uh, his dog's tags. His dog's tag said his name is Beasley. So, shout out to Beasley, who is a consumer of Wild Nature dog treats. So I'm about to retweet this from at Brandon Gelton, <laughs> but you can follow uh, Rich, amazing listener at Rich underscore Bobby. That's B O B B E. If you want to give him a follow. Uh, he, and speaking of Rich Bobby, Jimmy, this podcast is really for him because Rich, not unlike. I know a lot of Eagles fans out there are optimists at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Negadelphia gets thrown around, but there's also a lot of fans who are, are really optimistic. And I, I admire them because I can't always have that same fortitude uh, to, to, to be always positive like they are. But Rich is, and I know a lot of other listeners out there, so they should hopefully appreciate today's show. But like we said, before we get into the meat of today's episode, no pun intended there, Jimmy, uh, we have a couple newsy things to talk about, which the Eagles cut Craig James. So any thoughts on that? That was obvious. Uh, I thought he was actually going to be the first guy gone uh, whenever they had to pair the roster down for whatever reason. And the reason's pretty obvious. I mean, they have uh, Slay, Bradbury, Maddox as the starting corners. And then beyond them, have like this huge handful of corners that they've been acquiring over the last two years. And they want to get a look at, they want to get a look at all those guys 
uh, in training camp, even after they cut Craig James, they have a dozen corners on the roster right now. So um, they already have more than they can probably even get to in, you know, that they they can even get reps for uh, in camp. Craig James is, is a decent enough player uh, that he landed very quickly with, uh, was it the jets that signed Joe Douglas, baby. So yeah, he's a, he's a guy that um, had some value to the team at some point uh, because of his special teams ability. He did step in and play corner a little bit for the Eagles, but uh, with their starting lineup set and, just the absurd number of young corners that they've kind of been acquiring via trade draft uh, waivers and such that, that, you know, they want to get a look at those guys. So Craig James was a pretty obvious cut. Uh, Pour one out for Craig James, Mm -hmm. who low key had a really big moment in the 2019 season where he kind of, it probably was pass interference. He got there a little bit early, but he kind of helped break up that pass, uh, to I forget who it was to, but it was Aaron Rodgers throwing on the goal line there, and it ended up being oh, you know deflected right. and picked off by Nigel Bradham. So that was like a that was a low key big moment, and he had to step that. in because Avante Maddox, as we all know, got like stretchered off the field in that game. Mm-hmm. So he got he, he came in on short notice and had that big moment, and he was a special teams co captain in 2020. So you know not oh, like totally irrelevant player. Didn't somebody else? Didn't another corner also get hurt in that game? And he had to come in for that. I don't even think it was Maddox at the time. It, like a second corner came, like that went down and he had to go in. And like, Maybe it was, was old, obvious. I don't know. It was, I think if I recall correctly, Rogers, it was clear Rogers was going to throw at whoever James was covering. And then right. as you said, he made a play. Yeah, he, he, it was, again, it was probably PI, but whatever. He made the play. <laughs> Eagles won. Um and yes, I don't know what they're going to do with the open roster spot. You know, some people I think see that move and they're like, all right, they're opening up a spot for Jesse Bates and Punter, baby. <laughs> or, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be more low profile, obviously. Uh, Eagles like to tinker at the bottom of their roster during training camp, typically, like how he likes to kind of cycle those guys in and out a little bit. Uh, we've seen in past training camp. So, could be some of that going on. It's always possible they sign a USFL player. Mm-hmm. We'll see about that since that their season is over. So nothing too exciting, but still worth noting, nevertheless. And then the other thing we had here, Jimmy, is the Eagles revealing, like many other teams apparently now have, like every team I feel like almost has a black helmet now. But the Eagles had said they were going to do this, as you noted, at the owners' meetings earlier this year mm-hmm. because they said the Kelly green jerseys will not be ready until 2023. So they're rolling with a black helmet for this year to kind of just, I guess, soup up their all black edition a little bit. Uh, what's your take on it? I like it. And I like that they're doing at least something that to, to give fans, you know, look forward to during, I don't, we don't know yet what game they're going to game or games that they're going to yes. wear the black helmet. Uh, but I do want to touch on real quick just the reasoning why it's not going to be ready. So Nike has to color match what the Eagles want the, 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 the jersey to look like. So it takes time for them to get it exactly right to get like the cut, the Kelly Green jersey correct or, um, and, and helmet and whatever correct before they'll, they'll actually roll that out. Because if it's not correct, it'll just look dumb <laughs> and like they'll, they'll have these weird jerseys on game day that won't look Kerry Kelly green. And a lot goes into a lot more than you would think, I guess, goes into um, getting that color exactly the way that, you know, the Eagles would like to have it. So uh, for now we just get the black helmet. Um, I like the way it looks. I mean, 
it, there's no change whatsoever to the helmet. Otherwise, it's just the eagle wing remains the same. There's the the midnight green areas of the helmet. The base color of the helmet is just now black instead. So um, very simple change. It actually is kind of like it looks a little bit like sparkly, kind of. Um, it's not matte. Yeah, it's, it's not, not matte. matte, but it's but it's also not just like uh, just plain black either like there's kind of a sparkly kind of well, like the green the, the green I midnight mean, green is like a sparkle to it i feel like okay yeah right right exactly so that that they kept that uh with the black helmet as well so um yeah i think they actually look pretty good um it didn't really take much to imagine what they would look like because uh, mm-hmm. again we knew that they were going to just be black with the with the regular eagle's wing but i like the way they look and uh it'll you know it'll kind of be a fun thing when, whenever they do wear them this season I think it's fine, especially for what it is. It's a placeholder helmet in theory because when the Eagles switch to Kelly Green in 2023, they won't be allowed another helmet, uh, a fourth helmet, if you will, unless they change the rule. Lurie was mm-hmm. saying like, that you know the NFL, he'll, he hopes they'll change the rule to allow at least four, maybe more, but uh, at, you know it, that's not a guarantee. So if they're going into only three, then this is going to be a one-season thing. It's fine. I don't think it's anything overly special. Um I, I, the Eagles wing on a helmet is obviously iconic and I don't want to see that go away in any yeah. time, any full time capacity. I don't even think that's anything people are talking about. Although I might be curious to see like a mock-up of an Eagles helmet that didn't have the wing, but the logo or like, you know, some kind of word. Well, I would really like the old word mark and not the new one. It's definitely not they the should new do one. one with the word mark. <laughs> not the new hates. ones. That would, <laughs> they would never win a game if they wore that helmet is my stance on that. So it's fine. Um, it is what it is. Uh, all right, Jimmy. Yes. Much more important things to get to, uh, in today's episode, talking about the biggest reasons for optimism as a counter to our last podcast. If you missed that, I would say go listen to it, but maybe you don't want to because it'd be a downer. But at least no, you know if you're listening listen to, to it. both, how dare you? Not? Well, how dare you? Download it anyway. But <laughs> this one will hopefully get you more excited about the season, Jimmy. I guess I'll start us off, if you'll allow me. Go right ahead. Yeah, we'll bat it back optimism. and forth. We'll take turns. Bat it back and forth. The schedule is so easy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't know how you go through the Eagles schedule and not get to, like, even if you're being harsh again, like, eight wins, nine wins. or like it's look at, These are the quarterbacks they play. In order, relatively, obviously, they play the NFC's quarterbacks twice. Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz twice, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott twice, Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, one of those two, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones twice, Justin Fields, Jameis Winston. How many of those quarterbacks <laughs> really have you like concerned going into a given game? How many How many would you say from that group? None. Like, well, None. Aaron so, Rodgers. Oh, Rodgers, of course. Yeah, Rod- Rodgers and then... Um, like Dak and, and Dak is good, but he's not, sure. a, he's not like a great quarterback. He's a, he's a, he's good, not great in terms of NFL starting quarterbacks, but the only like clear, the only clear top 10 guy, I would call Dak like borderline top 10 guy. The only clear top 10 guy is Rogers. Rogers mm-hmm. is of course a top five quarterback, probably top And that game is in Philly, by the way. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they have the one, the one really, you know, the one great quarterback that they face all year. That's it. And there's a lot of junk. Like there's not even like a like there's not even like a lot of mediocre guys. There's a lot of like crap, like bottom ten kind of guys that they face this year. 
and and to kind of piggyback off that, I don't know if this is like a separate one, but just the NFC in general mm-hmm. sucks, dude. Like you look at like the teams in the in the conference, Green Bay is good, the Rams are good, um the Buccaneers are good. And then like there's an argument that the Eagles are the best team among the rest. The Cowboys are kind of in their ballpark. <sighs> Who else? This like the the Saints maybe if they stay did healthy you say the this Packers year. Already? I did. Pa- so Packers, okay. Buccaneers, um, Rams, Rams, and then who else is there? Like the Vikings, maybe the Forty ers might. You know they have a good roster. They have a, a similar team. Big to the wild Eagles, card. They have, the they quarterback have a good roster. But quarterback is a, is a question mark. It's just a bad conference. And then you look at the AFC. It is loaded from like top to bottom. It's crazy how good the AFC is in comparison to the NFC. But uh, yeah, one of your points um, that we made, one of the, I, I don't remember if it was you or me. It doesn't matter. We both had the point uh, during the, the, you know, concerns podcast was that they feasted on a lot of terrible quarterbacks last year. Well, they might be able to do the same thing this year because, like you, I mean, the names that you just rattled off, it's not a good list. Yeah, and to Gannon's credit, to Jonathan Gannon's credit, he took care of the bad quarterbacks. <laughs> yes. He didn't get, like, burned by them. And, again, that's not like, hey, let's, hey, let's hand him a gold star, as Jim Schwartz would say. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Jim Schwartz, sometimes he got beat up by the bad quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of comes to, like, you know, like the lesser quarterbacks. Right. Sometimes he would have bad games against those guys, too. So, and sometimes um, he shut down the good ones. Sure, yeah, and not not to say Schwartz was worthless. I am mm-hmm. clearly a, a more higher on Schwartz. I feel like than people uh, elsewhere might be. But point being, like Jonathan Gannon, at the very least, has proven he can take care of the lesser quarterback. So there's a level, even if like, the defense isn't leaps and bounds better, which I think there obviously is optimism that it will be improved. Like there's still, I still have faith in him. He's earned that that much. He has earned the right to believe we can. He can kind of shut down some of the lesser mm-hmm. quarterbacks, or at least keep them in check, and not get totally destroyed by them. The good ones, very much to be determined. But they're not playing a lot of the good ones, so that is a huge point of optimism for the Eagles. Is that they just they they're not going to be facing a juggernaut by any means. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Um, I would say uh, the offensive line is. Awesome. Uh, and let's be real. Like that's the offensive line is why they made the playoffs last year as the best part of the team last year. And they just dominated games in the trenches, both in terms of running the ball. And then they only gave up 32 sacks last year, which uh, I went through and I looked at all of them. And I think I had, I forget who had the most sacks allowed among the offensive linemen, but it was only like four for like one individual player. So they all like did a very good job in pass protection last year. Um, a lot of the sacks were scheme or hurts just hang, you know, holding on to the ball for a long time. But like a year ago, they gave up uh, in 2020, they gave up 50 something or maybe even 60 something, 64. I think they gave up. I think they gave 64 sacks was the number, which was just totally unacceptable. Obviously, um, offensive line didn't play as well that year. I didn't think they were bad, but um, they, they certainly played a lot better in 2021 than they did in 2020. But to give up only 32 sacks when you're protecting for the quarterback that holds the ball the longest in the NFL from snap to throw, 
uh, is an impressive feat. And they're all returning this year. Uh, I mean, Brandon Brooks isn't, of course, but he didn't play. He only, he only played in you know a game and a half last year. But from left to right, you, you have Mylotta, uh left tackle Dickerson could make a big jump this year at left guard. Uh, Kelsey, of course, at center. Right guard to be determined whether that's going to be Sayamalo or Driscoll. It doesn't matter to me whether which, whichever one it is. They both have starting experience uh, playing alongside all these other guys on the line. And then Lane Johnson was an absolute stud last season. He gave up zero sacks, by the way. Uh, when I went through and I did that exercise assigning Blaine for all thir- 32 of those sacks last year. His guy and Mylotta's guy got to the quarterback quickly on one of those sacks. But Mylotta's guy got there first. So I, I still split it between Mylotta and Johnson on that. But if you just give... You're my, also splitting hairs right now. <laughs> right. But like if you don't include that one towards Johnson's tally, he gave up zero sacks last year, which is incredible in the NFL these days. Uh, he was a star last year. And then their depth is just really good uh, along the offensive line. You and I you know, have, have criticized Andre Dillard over, you know, plenty, but he's a, a better backup than just about any other team in, in the NFL has at left tackle. Uh, whether Sayamalo or uh, Driscoll wins that right guard job, the other one will be a backup. That'll be a really good backup. They have Cam Jurgens. You and I kind of agree that maybe that wasn't the best use of resources in the second round of the draft, but if something should happen to Kelsey, then they have a guy that can probably plug right in. Um, and then other guys like Sue Opeta can play, uh, Lorraine Clark, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they just have a, re- you can look at like their back. If you just took their Eagle starters away and you just had their backups, I would say that their line would still be better than the bears line and the Seahawks line. <laughs> so like the, even their backups would be better than some starting offensive lines out there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there were, it was the strength of the team last year and it, and assuming they don't have, um, you know, just a crazy number of injuries, it'll be the strength of the team again this year. Hard to disagree with any of that. I think you can say they, they have the best center in the NFL. Mm-hmm. My lot of, I would not say right now has earned best left tackle, but no. is it conceivable that he could finish the season? as like the best left tackle. I don't think that's crazy. Like, like obviously, over rep, like reputation, you're going to go like Trent Williams or if Tyron Smith has like a healthy season, whatever mm-hmm. over him. And there's a lot of good left Toronto tackles Armstead. to be sure. But I think he'll be right there, you know, if he continues to progress as mm-hmm. he has, and there's reason to believe he can. Lane Johnson, the best right tackle no in the question. NFL. So like you have, you know, these are like elite level players. Landon Dickerson, I thought, you know, got better as the season went along. And I think an underrated thing with him is that he missed all of training camp last year. Right. Because he was on the active slash pup list. And then he obviously wasn't ready for week one. I think week two was his first game, if I'm not mistaken. It was. So he, he filled in for Brooks at right guard when he went down against the Niners. So he'll have a whole off season now to be, you know, solidified in that left guard spot and take reps there and kind of, you know, and just be healthy. Honestly, just being healthy, I think will be a big deal for him because he was still coming off an ACL tear. So that's a big deal. Um, we'll see how the right guard spot shakes out. It's it's a little bit of a question mark because Samalo hasn't played right guard in a bit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. And he's had injury issues and Jack Driscoll has done some good things, but also has had some injury issues. Yeah. So that spot, you know, it's a little, but I mean, yes, to your point, you'll, you'll take those guys over a lot of other teams, like other teams. I can't believe, let's just say, for example, here, the chargers are still starting like storm Norton, like potentially <laughs> right. a right tackle. This is like an XFL starter. Right. I like, guess I'm just like, how, like, how do they not address that in the off season? So there are some really bad offensive line starters out there and the Eagles don't have those, uh, it's a really good offensive line. It's going to power the team. 
probably like it did last year. Um, not much else to add. Dickerson, I think, uh, if I recall, it, it, they activated him off, off the pup list like 12 days before the opening game. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. he had no training camp and he was still, re- he was still recovering from that ACL tear when he played. So he wasn't even a hundred percent when he played last year. Uh, he probably, his knee probably got stronger as the, as the year went along. Uh, but he'll, he'll be healthy this year. He'll have a full camp, uh, to, to practice and play with Mylotta, uh, on the left side of that line. I mean, it, those two guys really gelled on the left side of that line last year. They were just, a uh, bulldozing power duo, uh, over there opening up holes like crazy in the run game so that they'll, they'll those two guys will be fun to watch this year it's like combined they weigh like 700 pounds and they mm-hmm. just uh, can overwhelm uh the right side of a lot of these lines if you put speed rushers you know up against them you know the the of the, i mean the the uh the downside of that is those guys just get run over by by my and dickerson so you know you, defenses have to be mindful of of, of that um, the way to beat my lot is with speed, but again, like if you put a guy out there that, mm-hmm. that's just going to get run over, the Eagles are just going to run the ball against you. Are you ready for? And, and I should say they have the best offensive line coach, or one of them in the yes. NFL as well, Jeff Stoutland. For is sure, always. Not only is he like he's going to make the most of what he has, and what he has right now is really good. So I feel uh, like the, I depth. feel like offensive line coach is one of those positions where, of course, it's stated over and over. Oh, this guy, this guy is one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, or is the best offensive line coach in the league. But in this case, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, he's at least top five. Like <laughs> that's just I don't I don't know how you could argue otherwise. Um, my next one is a full season of Dallas Goddard really being unlocked for the first time yep. ever. For the first time since the Eagles used a second round pick on this guy and traded up in the second round to get him in 2018, which feels like forever ago now. He is a full season as the guy in the offense. And I'm not trying to disrespect Zach Hurts at all here, but the reality is like when Hurts left, Goddard thrived in a huge way. He had 62 targets, 44 receptions, 636 yards. That's a 14.5 average, which is really good yeah, for, for a tight, tight end. end. Yeah. Like a tight end typically averages what? Like around like 11, 12, mm-hmm. if they're a good season, like 13. Hurts was always around 14. like 10. Right. 10, 11, and, you know, like that. Yeah. he wasn't a yak guy um, and two touchdowns. So if you, you know, extrapolate those numbers, like if you go on a, for a on pace for a 17 game season, Goddard would have had 117 targets for 83 receptions, 1202 yards, four touchdowns. Like, and to contextualize those numbers, Mark Andrews led all tight ends in receiving last year with 1361 and Travis Kelsey was second with uh, 1,125. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really good. I, I think he has the potential to be a just a difference maker, really being in that starting role, that number one tight end role. There's no kind of, you know, question about him splitting snaps and everything. Uh, him being here as the guy in this offense and not only him getting the that time or that, that full-time role, but also the fact that there's going to be attention elsewhere too when mm-hmm. there probably wasn't as much last year because it was really just Goddard and Devontae Smith mm-hmm. that like teams were really scared of. I mean, Quez Watkins is a decent player, but teams aren't like, you know, necessarily game planning around him so much uh, other than maybe his speed. So to have all these weapons around him, and that kind of works both ways, or it's a double edged sword in that maybe it hurts his volume numbers at some level. But in terms of efficiency, like Dallas Goddard, I think it's going to be a really good 
player in this full-time role. Yeah, on that efficiency point, uh, off the top of my head, I believe he averaged 10, either 10.9 or 10.7 yards per target, which was fifth in the NFL. And by fifth in the NFL, I mean fifth in the NFL among all players, not tight mm-hmm. ends. He was number one among tight ends, and there was a big gap between him and whoever was number two. I want to say number two was Kittle, but I'm not sure about that. Um, but he was number one by by a wide mar- margin among tight ends, but number five in the NFL among all players, which is uh, remarkable again for a tight end to to have those kinds of to have that kind of efficiency uh, in his in, in the Eagles' offense. And actually, you know who was like just behind him, six, like six, seven, eight, something like that. Want to take a guess? It's another eagle, Justin Jefferson. No, it's another eagle. Oh, another eagle. What'd you say, AJ Brown? No, it's uh, Quez Watkins. Hmm. Was like it's either six, seven, or eight somewhere in there and yards per target. And of course, he was that, efficient. That yeah. ninety-one yard, whatever that ninety-plus yard reception was, helped on, on that mm-hmm. front for sure. But uh, point, point. You know, getting back to the point, Dallas Goddard is is was very efficient last year, and just beyond the stats, you just look at his game, and there's there are no holes. There's nothing that you can like point to his game where like that's really bad. Like he does he does not do that well. And you could do that with Ertz. Ertz was like awesome at what he did well, which was run routes, get he knew how to get open and if you threw him the ball, he could drop it. leverage. And yeah. and, and he had great hands. Um he knew what he was doing as as a route runner and a receiver. But he wasn't a great blocker and once he had the ball in his hands, he <laughs> didn't get yards after the catch and he give himself up uh, at least early in his career. He did Goddard. There's like, there's nothing at his, in his game that you can point to. You go, okay, well that's a deficiency. The only thing that you can maybe ding him for is that he's been hurt a few times, but beyond that, um, I mean, there's, there, he just doesn't have any obvious glaring holes in his game. He's a good blocker. He's a good receiver. He gets yards after the catch. He's tough. He's physical. He's everything you want in a tight end, and now, like you said, he's got nothing in front of him. It's just going to be him, and he's probably going to play the majority of the snaps every game. And uh, he's it's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of numbers he can put up. I wouldn't see a, he. I wouldn't say he has a case of the butterfingers, but there have been some like really bad drops. I feel like, especially like that's high fair. leverage yeah, drops too. I think um, for the most hands, part, he's got good hands. But you're yeah. but you're there's one bad drop. Uh, Lions game in the, play, in the playoff game. Well, that last too. Year. Yeah, that too. Yeah, he would have still been running right now as we speak if he caught that pass. <laughs> He'd be really uh, yeah, tired so, by now too. Yeah, not to say like he his hands are are terrible. But I think they could be a little bit better. But yeah, I'm nitpicking, admittedly. So, uh, what is your next point? Um, I'm unprepared for my next point, but I. Oh wait, just, let's actually take a break here because looking okay. at the time. So then that'll give you some time anyway to look through <laughs> that. Uh, Jimmy. I told you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky earlier and the listeners, and you mentioned Rich Bobby, you posted a picture of his wonderful companion there, uh, Beasley. Beasley. And Beasley is posing, as you mentioned, with Wild Nature Pet Craft Jerky. I don't know if that's the official title. Wild Nature Pet Jerky, I guess I should say, uh, which you can go and get by going to wildnaturepet.com and using the same discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy, I know you have a dog, Charlie, who we all love. Uh, me, the listeners, everyone, the world, everyone, the universe. Of course. I love dogs. How, come on. How are you not loving dogs? So if you have a dog, <laughs> or maybe you don't love dogs, let's say, somehow, and whatever, I, I don't agree with your stance, 
but you probably have someone in your life who loves dogs at the very least. So you can get them dog treats or your, your own dog dog treats by going to wildnaturepet.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. It's the same discount code you want to use at righteousfelon.com for 15% off righteous felon craft jerky. The people who get righteous felon, Jimmy, I've heard from them. I've heard from our listeners. And I know they like the product a lot. They believe in it. They can, they're, they're repeat customers. It's not just like, oh, I tried this thing one time. It's not that great. I don't get it again. No, they like it so much that they're repeat customers. And Righteous Felon really appreciates that loyalty. And I feel like they try to take care of the, the most loyal listeners, including Rich Bobby. So go do all that. Help support the podcast. Help support a local business. Wins all around. Jimmy, we will be back, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, have you figured out your next point of Eagles optimism? Let's just keep it with uh, the Dallas Goddard theme. Um, and look at the receivers. I mean, the receivers are now a strength. The Eagles haven't been strong at receiver. Uh, I mean, since when? Deshaun. Well, remember Macklin. in twenty? Remember entering twenty nineteen? PFF ranked their receiving core like number one or something. I do not remember had. that. That's insane. <laughs> or was it? Tw- tw- it was either twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. How? Because it was like. <laughs> How is that like, possible? All Sean and I guess it was twenty eighteen. Maybe like All Sean and. I don't remember. I forget what year oh, it, it had was. to have been. The it might year have been twenty nineteen. Sean, maybe. Might have been. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it was because it was. Yes, because it was Alshon, Aguilar, and Deshaun. Okay, well, that that's what nuts, it was supposed but... to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this year, and then uh... they ended up being like worse than the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that was nuts to begin. Uh, that, I mean, they were never close to being the best receiving corps in the NFL. But anyway, um, with. What I like, what I really like about, I mean, just beyond that they have three good receivers now, what I like is is how they sort of complement each other. Because mm. in Devontae, you have, you know, sort of the smooth route running. Um, Precision. You know, like, yeah. And, for, and just a really ultra savvy for how young of a player he is. Um, knows where he is on the field at all times. Like those toe tap catches that he made, I mean, consistently – throughout the season last year in his rookie season. It was impressive. And he can win at all three levels of the defense. He, he can beat you deep, as he did against the Broncos, against the Falcons. He's good in the intermediate areas of the field. He's good in the short area of the field. Um, 
Same thing with AJ Brown. He can beat you in all three areas of the field, but he just does it differently. Um, he's getting contested catches deep down the field uh, and then intermediate areas of the field. He's a beast uh, right down the center of the field, like right down the middle of the field. He That's where he does his damage. And then, of course, if you can throw the ball short to him, he's a tackle-breaking monster, or at least he was uh, in 2020 and 2019. Uh, a little bit less so last year. We won't get into all that. Um, but he can win at all three levels. And then Quez, uh, you know, he's another guy that can also win at all three levels. The speed is obvious. He can He can take the top off the defense. But he's also, like, I think very underrated in terms of his ability to fight for uh, contested catches. He's, it's a, I oh, think yeah. it's, it's a very underrated aspect of his game. And then he's another guy that can take a short pass and take it to the house, just does it differently than a guy like A.J. Brown was would, uh, breaking tackles. We, we've seen Quez do it. Uh, we saw it his rookie year, and that, like, that flashy, like, spin move against the Cardinals. Uh, he had, um, he had one in a, in the meaningless week 18 game against Dallas where he looked, I mean, but it was like, it was a really good looking play. And then, uh, I mean, I don't want to give too many kudos for, you know, the preseason play where he took a quick pass and took it to the house, but still that was a very impressive play. Like there was mm-hmm. a, the safety on that. I think it was against the Steelers. The safety yeah, had like was. a clear, like clear angle on Quez and Quez just tore that angle apart. Just blazed right by that poor guy uh that guy wound up making the team and actually playing a lot that year for the Steelers which is shocking to me uh because that dude looks slow as hell compared to Quetz on that play but those three guys are have you know they have uh all varying skill sets that opposing defenses are gonna have to prepare for they can beat you all in, in a whole slew of different ways and it'll be interesting to see how Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen and Jalen Hurts, for that matter, take advantage of that. And if you, if you want to take it a step further, like Zach Paschal is kind of like mm. the dirty work guy, too, who's going to give you like a lot of blocking. Um, he can, you know, he's he's like a he, I mean, he's ha- he's had seasons where he's up over like four or five hundred yards, which isn't a lot. But it's, you know, certainly more than what you're going to get out of a guy like like, you know, like a Greg Ward, not to bash him, but uh, he's going to give you more than what, what Greg Ward can do. Uh, he's he's going to give you more than what Jalen Rager has given you so far, um, but th- those four guys are are you know a really intriguing uh, quartet in that they all have very different skill sets and can beat you in a lot of different ways. I agree with all of that. I wrote down quote W R trio figures to be nice mm-hmm. okay. end quote in my <laughs> point of optimism. So I agree with that. Uh, you touched on the starters well. I wanted to add in there with Pascal. I mean, he's like a souped up version of JJ Arthur Whiteside, yes. like, like a guy who is actually probably a better blocker and can actually be somewhat of a receiving threat yes. as opposed to basically, you know, basically a non-receiving threat at all. And uh, one area that I think it'll be interesting to see Pascal's role. I think specifically, I think he's being a little bit slept on in terms of like a lot of the metrics point to him being really bad last year. But as I've talked about before, I don't think Carson Wentz is necessarily the type of yeah. quarterback that maximizes his receivers always. And uh, and we've seen that in the past with like a bigger guy like in Alshon Jeffrey, not to say Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Pascal are the same player. But um, when you look at Pascal's efficiency 
prior to last year when he had 14.8 yards per reception in 2019 and he was at 14.3 mm-hmm. in 2020 which is pretty decent especially like for a guy playing like out a of possession the, receiver the slot. yeah yeah and also in both of those seasons he had five touchdowns like that's pretty quality those are that's like not to say like that's amazing but that's quality mm-hmm. like it's that's quality red zone production and last year Greg Ward was like their red zone guy or like he he would when he was playing typically it was a little bit more in the red zone they liked him in different red zone packages yeah. a little too much when it came to the Philly special redux um but uh I mean I remember Greg Ward had a big drop which usually isn't like him in that Giants game I think that they lost like he was in there in mm-hmm. the red zone and I think Pascal's gonna replace that so that's an upgrade there and then just kind of being able to mix match potentially with Pascal and Quez as your your like maybe like a three A three B wide receiver mm-hmm. in terms of if you if you're in short yardage, uh, if or you're running it's more run heavy kind of a game or a point in the game. If it's red zone, you can put Zach Pascal in, and then you have kind of like a big slot. If it's a situation where you really want to stretch the field, open things underneath, you're looking for the big play. Okay, then you have Quez in there. Yeah. So I, I just the you know diversified skill sets, um, not just with the top three, but also beyond that with Pascal uh, and having depth at that position. Don't necessarily feel amazing about the guys outside of that top four, but to have a top four is really nice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they didn't even have a top two <laughs> like yeah. this time last year. I mean, we didn't know. I mean, Quez was, you know, was a, was a decent, you know, two number two guy, I guess. Uh, but before the season began, you didn't even know that you had a second guy at all. And now you, think you looked, now you think you might have four. Pascal looked decent in the one OTA practice he had too. It's, it's one practice, but he looked mm-hmm. good. So early good impression. Again, I think he's a guy who I talked about, I think last episode or two ago, like who's going to stand out a bit in training camp just because he's going to Jordan Matthews, this thing. And like, like there's going to be a lot of effort on display. Uh, so I just we'll started that one to do like, so I have that like prospect thing that I write every Saturday during the, the season, just, you know, hmm. five prospects that make sense for the Eagles. And I just started to take like an initial look at like some of the guys that'll be in the 2023 draft. And it re- dawned on me like, Oh, this is going to be like, the first year in like a half decade where I'm basically not even going to look at receivers. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause they, like they're going to have Devante, AJ and, and uh Quez for the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah. Ideally. Yeah. Uh, if anything, you know, you're talking like day three receivers they can add on. Um, uh, okay. So my next one would be Hassan Reddick. I think that's a underrated signing in the yeah. in the scope of there was just so, so much after that you know Jordan Davis came after that and I believe the Saints trade came after that mm-hmm. and AJ Brown like there's so many things James Bradbury yep Jaquiski Tart not as exciting but there's there's been so many moves like that came after that that was like the first thing to happen really of significance I would say in the off season and I think it kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit. I think he kind of gets underrated as a player too nationally. Again, like I've said it a billion gazillion times, 11 billion times to be precise. And uh, as, as our good friend Keanu Reeves would say, and uh, 23 and a half sacks the past two years, fifth most in the league. He's only behind TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Trey Anderson, and Aaron Donald. Like that's crazy. That's good company. And yeah, really good company. And uh, the Eagles had a 29 or sorry, 22.9 pressure rate last year. Uh, which was 29th by football outsiders. So, you know, they needed more pass rushing juice. They got some with Reddick. I've liked to point out how 
not only is he getting sacks, but he's getting high quality sacks in terms of like forced fumbles. He has, I believe, eight or so in his career. So he just he seems to have a knack for getting to the quarterback and popping the ball out. And that probably speaks to his play style. He's not a power rusher like BG. Not to say BG can't force fumbles because we all know he can. Um, but he, he, I think he wins so quickly that the quarterback is like surprised. You know, he, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. The quarterback doesn't have time to know he's getting sacked. He's just kind of getting blasted. And Reddick has a, a, again an ability to knock the ball out, and that's huge. So uh, I think Reddick is being slept on. I think he's going to be again, assuming the Eagles don't have him dropping in the coverage inexplicably. I think he will be an, a, an impact player here. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I uh, cut up video of all of his sacks last year. What, what did, he, did he have? Eleven or eleven and a half? Uh, I think it was. I think I don't know. One uh, of those. Okay. Well, I think it might have been eleven, but. Um... He was in on three more sacks than however many he had. So if it was 11, then he had, he was actually in on 14 sacks and he had to Mm -hmm. share a sack on six of his sacks. So like he got to the quarterback, you know, three, three more times than it, you know, would look like on paper. Um, And it's not like he, um, and it's not like a lot of those plays were like slow developing and then the quarterback just kind of lingered in the pocket for a while and then right. it broke down and whatever. Like he was getting to the, the quarterback fast, even on sacks that he was splitting. That's what I just said. With te- right. But I'm saying like even on the ones that he was splitting with teammates. Right. Like that, that, it, that w- it wasn't happening on those either. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he, he actually had a better season statistically uh, than it would appear, in my opinion, on paper. And uh, yeah, he gives them uh, the speed element that that they, as you said, that they they, they did that they sort of were missing. Whereas BG is more of a power guy. Sweat's kind of a, like a, maybe a little bit of both, um, but they didn't have that one guy that can just you know tear apart um, like a bigger offensive tackle that just can't handle speed that well. They don't. They don't really have that guy that can just blaze around the around the edge and get to the quarterback. And now they do. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's a big deal. It's it's a nice and it's just, you know, if Ganathan if Ganon Ganathan Jonathan. if if Ganon is truly going to uh you know implement a new scheme or whatever, you know, add some tweaks, then he figures to be a part of that and we'll see how effective it is. But I think beyond his pass rushing role I think there are opportunities for the Eagles to get more creative with him. I don't want, again, that should not be the majority of the time, but maybe you can kind of confuse a defense at one point by dropping him like in the right moment or, you know, doing different things with him potentially. Again, don't overthink it, but if he makes it in there uh, sparsely uh, and maybe it can have some effect, just excited to see how the Eagles use him. um, Hopefully the right way. Yeah. He's got to be on the field, in my opinion, on every obvious passing down. And he's yes. got to be rushing the passer on every, on every obvious passing down uh, with the, like you said, on maybe you mix in like a zone dog where he's dropping and you sucker dumb quarterback into throwing a ball where he shouldn't. Um, but my next thing will kind of be like sort of a, um, a compliment to the outside hmm. pass rushers, which is the interior of the defensive line, which is loaded on paper with uh, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and now Jordan Davis and Milton Williams. And again, those guys all kind of have like, like, like I just mentioned with the wide receivers, how they sort of all have their own sort of um, individually um, 
uh, like they all have their own individual intriguing skill sets. And so do the defensive tackles. I mean, we've seen what Fletcher Cox is for the the last decade. I think everyone knows what he is. Obviously he's in decline. He's not as as good of a player now as he was in 2017, 2018, et cetera. Um, But he's still a good player in my opinion, and they're overpaying for him, but he can Mm -hmm. still play. And Javon Hargrave was an absolute stud, uh, especially in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. He was sort of one of your concerns in the last episode in that his play in the back half of the season didn't match his play in the first half of the season. For the um, second year in a row, except flipped first year, right. was like the first half of Invisible. But a Pro Bowl player last year, and certainly if they can kind of keep his snaps down, which they should be able to do easily with the depth that they have at defensive tackle, then, you know, maybe they can keep him fresh for the entirety of the season. But those two guys as your starters um, are, you know, I mean, they're, they're, it's a very, very good duo. And then coming off the bench, if you even want to call it that, I think these guys will be played um, based on situation. Uh, But Jordan Davis is going to come in and immediately just (laughs) as a six, six, 340 plus pound defensive tackle, you know, he's, he's going to instantly, help their run defense, which, uh, of course, will also, in theory, instantly help their pass defense because they won't maybe have to um, allocate as many resources towards stopping the run when you have a guy like that that can, you know, take up as many bodies as as he requires to be taken up uh, because it's just impossible to move that guy off the line. It'll be really fascinating to see what he can be uh, as a pass rusher in his rookie year. Like, can he can he at least push the pocket? Can he at least, um, you know, sort of make the, uh, the, the, the pocket smaller and allow his defensive line teammates to clean up because the quarterback has nowhere to go. Um, Milton Williams flashed at times last season. Um, the stats aren't eye popping, but he had mm-hmm. his moments where he just looked super athletic and that was his profile coming out of, uh, Louisiana tech. I mean, just, he, he had, so we talk about Jordan Davis and him being like the number one, uh, you know, at the the most athletic defensive prospect ever. It's like Milton Williams isn't that far off. Like his athletic profile is like super impressive as well. And I think uh, we saw that on the field at times last year. But again, it was more in flashes as opposed to like you know seeing it um, you know throughout the entirety of the season. But he'll have a chance to. Uh, I think he's focusing now on the defensive tackle spot. Like last year in training camp. He yeah. was splitting time between the Brandon Graham role uh, at defensive end and then also defensive tackle. But I think he's just going to be defensive tackle only moving forward. So we can focus on that. But those four guys, Gannon's going to have the opportunity to you know, rotate them in and out, keep them fresh, not only throughout individual games, but also throughout the season. And I think that also negates the sort of the concern about uh, Jordan Davis and like the, one of the concerns was that he played a low snap count and there's plenty of reasons why he did with Georgia being yeah, as awesome as they were yeah. taking them out of games and blowouts and such and making sure that they you know their their younger players got playing time and didn't transfer out of Georgia like Jermaine Johnson did um, so yeah there's that but he's gonna not probably play a like a massive amount of snaps in his rookie season because he doesn't have to because they have Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and Milton Williams. So um, he's they're, they're going to be able to keep keep him fresh and let him go in there and just, you know, go all out 100% on the snaps that he does play. It's going to be really intriguing to see how they rotate those guys in and out. I think Milton Williams is one of those players who especially can benefit from a year one to year two uh, jump. 
in terms of yeah. I don't know that he was necessarily the most like NFL ready player right. as much as more of like a Devontae Smith was or a Landon Dickerson injury mm-hmm. notwithstanding uh like those kind of guys i think he kind of needed a little bit more and i thought he started to come on a bit towards the end of the season anyway so you saw some of that so i think having a full off season in an nfl program will make a nice difference for him especially in his role as a rotational backup uh defensive tackle and then jordan davis obviously i've been very high on him very excited to watch him hopefully he has some kind of offensive role at some point as a fullback or whatever and goal line um but as teammates already tackle. love him by the way it, oh it, sure you can see from the videos that uh the, even the veterans are like you know they they already are speaking highly of him and they love they love not just you know what he can be as maybe as a player but his personality off the field too that was that like i don't know if you remember that was one of my arguments for drafting him like okay. pre pre-draft i was like i think he has the potential to be like a leader yeah. in this locker room yeah. for, like especially with Fletcher Cox headed out the door probably mm-hmm. in a year or so. Like, I think he's going to BG as well. Like he's going to be one of these defensive linemen, like linchpins, not just on the field, but in the locker room as well for years to come. And that part of the value I think he brings. So absolutely looking forward to that. I, I really hope we get to see, and I would take it as soon as week one, but going back to week one last year, Jimmy, when the, the opening game, when the Cowboys were playing the Buccaneers, I don't know if you remember Vita Vea, like just destroyed poor Tyler Biotish. Okay. Uh, just like had him just like, th- there's like a slow-mo play. Everyone should look this up if you don't remember it from last year. Vita Vea just like, you know, rushing the, the passer and just uh, Tyler Biotish is holding on for dear life as this, this <laughs> much more powerful and oversized man is just like plowing him into the backfield. So that was an awesome see... opening, uh, opening season game, by the way. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was, it was um, a very fun. No matter who like you, you, like who your hater preferences in, in those, like that was just an awesome game. Do you know what the opening season game is for this year? Well, it's Rams. Because I don't. It's not off Cowboys, the top of my is head. it? I forget. Do the Cowboys play? Uh, oh, wow. It's a good one. Um, Rams hosting the Bills. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is good. It's pretty good. Super yeah. Bowl champs and everyone who thought would be the Super Bowl champs if it wasn't for the overtime rule, <laughs> um, <laughs> or at least in that game. Uh, yeah, so really excited to see Jordan Davis. Obviously, the defensive line is stacked. I agree with you there. And, you know, offensive line, really good. Defensive line figures to be really good. Pretty pretty good areas to be strong in. Uh, I mean, that's whole. where their strength was in 2017. Absolutely. Unquestionably. I mean, the quarterback play was also yeah, 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 elite. Of course. Yeah. Whether it was Wentz before injury or Foles <laughs> right. in the playoffs, like elite yeah. quarterback play, which by yeah. the way, I wanted to I wanted to bring this up. Uh I'll hit you with this impromptu, Jimmy. We had a review on the Apple Podcast. Obviously, everyone, we appreciate the five star ratings and reviews. And while I appreciate the compliments, I also appreciate, you know, sometimes uh, like challenging Jimmy and I. Like if, you, if we just say something and you maybe disagree, I want to hear from you. Uh, Ooh, do we and get that's exactly. Yeah, we got challenged, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> and this is from, I am looking for the name here. Okay. Joe's Lunch. Okay. The title is Elite QB or Stacked Roster? Question mark. Great podcast. I wanted to push back a bit on BLG and Jimmy's recent take that they would take an elite quarterback without hesitation over a stacked roster. Elite quarterbacks like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers only won a single Super Bowl. Russell Wilson got one on a rookie contract with a stacked defense. Patrick Mahomes is young, but so far his only win was on a rookie contract with a stacked offense. Peyton Manning won two, 
but the second time he was a noodle-armed old guy carried by a stacked defense. <laughs> Meanwhile, decent but certainly not elite quarterbacks like Flacco, Foles, Stafford, and Eli Manning were carried to the playoffs by stack rosters, then got hot for a few weeks. Tom Brady definitely tips the scales in favor of elite quarterbacks, but I think stack roster with a pretty good quarterback is a more viable strategy than you guys made it out to be. Your response? Oh, I disagree on that. Uh, so I don't think it has to be an either or thing, by the way. Like, you, you certainly you want, you, sure. you're not going to win. If you just have a great quarterback and you have nothing else, then you're not going to win. If you just have a great roster and your quarterback is like complete dog crap <laughs> you know you're Jimmy not gonna G. win either except except if you're the giants and you win with eli <laughs> um, yeah that first of all i wanted to bring yeah, that is not a model for anything we i think right, we can all agree right. those runs were incredibly like unsustainable and lucky especially the second one the, so the flacco example flacco was like by the way he had an elite postseason the, he was amazing when, in when the playoffs won. that year he, he was he like 13 <laughs> touchdowns and no interceptions or something <laughs> right he had like a Foles type of postseason yes but throughout the entire postseason as opposed to just the two games that Foles had uh so i right. don't know if i like that example so much but um i mean i think he kind of made the point against himself in his comment and he just kept naming elite quarterback after elite quarterback right. after elite quarterback and then you have all these elite quarterbacks winning super bowls and how many are left over for ones that that for super bowls that were won by non elite quarterbacks and the ones that were won by non elite quarterbacks played like elite quarterbacks for the most part right. during the playoffs so right. yeah i mean uh is if the strategy is to build like have an awesome roster around uh, uh an average to below average quarterback the 49ers and, and you hope that the quarterback gets hot in the playoffs and can lead and by the way Stafford is a very good quarterback I, I'm not putting Stafford He's number one overall pick yeah, I'm not putting Stafford in the uh in the you know average quarterback bucket he's like a top 10 quarterback for sure uh especially now but um yeah I, I think that just when you look at the history of Super Bowls and I kind of hate looking at things this way but just look at the history of the Super Bowls and they're all the like the vast majority of them are won by elite quarterbacks. Like that's the most common denominator of Super Bowl champion teams. And it's not just about winning the Super Bowl because there's a lot of luck that goes into things. So it's not a perfect science, but to be in contention year after year, which is what you want, because that's kind of you know maximizing your chances of winning a Super Bowl. Because if you do that, you know you're probably going to win one at some point if you're giving yourself that chance year after year. And that's exactly what the, the Chiefs have every year with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's what the Bills have now with Josh. Like mm -hmm. they, they have a team. They go into – that's what the Packers have. I know Aaron Rodgers is basically like, you know, choked in the playoffs or mm -hmm. been a no-show. But like they still go into every season like being – They in the, into the postseason. <laughs> yeah. They have a legitimate chance to contend. They put themselves in a position where they get the one seed and then they only have to do – like very light lifting relative to other teams to actually just make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And again, they haven't capitalized on it, but I don't think that's necessarily like, because it, it's a fault. Like, no, you would take that. It's just, you can't win the Super Bowl every year, every team, and I, every elite quarterback can't win every year, um, but they're in position to do so. And I don't think you're really in position to do so if you don't have that guy, or maybe you are, uh, you could argue that the 49ers, you know, they were up against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. They lost to Kansas City. But, like, you know, what what came through in the end? What came through in the end of that <laughs> right, game? The, the, it was the elite quarterback the elite play, quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Yeah. And Jimmy G, who was not Who faltered. missed, who missed he, a, an easy throw yeah. that should have iced that Super Bowl. So, so I I but to be clear. I appreciate you, Joe's lunch. You're the man. With all due respect, you suck. You. That's I what Jimmy you. is saying. I love you very much. 
<laughs> no, it, it's, you're I, wrong it's fair. And I actually it, hate you. I, I think <laughs> I think where that comes from, and let me know what you think, Joe. Um, and, th- and thank you I for the review, by the way. Thank yes, you and the, I appreciate for, the review, and I appreciate that. you challenging. I want to be challenged. Course, give cha- us give us a challenge. Give we'll it to talk us. about it. Um, I think where that comes from, and I'm sorry to do this on the the positive part. I think where that comes from, <laughs> but we're also studying the bar here. You if Jalen Hurts can take that step, um, yeah, I can't help myself. Uh, is like I think people, it's so hard to get an elite quarterback, right? And it's it's so hard to be in that spot that you want to talk yourself into. We don't need this thing because it's so hard to do. And then we're hopeless, or relatively speaking, if we don't have that. So you almost want to talk yourself into, like, oh, we don't need that. And we can actually be fine with Hertz, um, assuming he doesn't take that next step, which maybe he will. Uh, okay. If anyway, you have the elite quarterback, aside. too, by the way, one, one last point. If you have the elite quarterback, by the way, then you don't have to worry about your quarterback position anymore. You can like focus all your attention on building around that quarterback and, and fixing your roster otherwise. That's easier to I do, agree. in my opinion, than just you know, blindly hoping that you're going to get a, an elite quarterback at some point. And you can attract some players that way too. Also some true. good players will want to play for your team as opposed to what we kind of saw at sometimes earlier in this off season mm-hmm. um, before they pulled off the AJ Brown trade, which was a trade. It's not like he just, you know, willingly signed. Uh, anyway, Jimmy, uh, let's take a break here. I th- am I up next? Uh, I think I am because you said the, I did interior. interior defensive line and then all right was there anything after that no I'm up next but I'm gonna throw it to you for why don't you set this up what are we gonna talk about right now we'll talk we about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors who is the best realtor in the history of the universe as rated by God her phone number is 856-906-9295 again 856 856- Nine zero six nine two nine five. Call or text her, or if you are looking to buy or sell your home, um, or if you just want to chit chat and get some, uh, you know, life <laughs> Wait, advice. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, recommendations on, um, I don't know, like if you don't live in New Jersey, right? Sure. Like if you're looking for a PA realtor or yeah, something like that, she can. She certainly has. Uh, she knows who the good realtors are in Pennsylvania, for the, Philadelphia especially, for the most part. Uh, but yeah, call her, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Kristen Rocha, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors. Kristen Rocha, Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio, Bleeding Green Nation Radio. Jimmy, my next reason, you might say it's a bit of a stretch, but I want to say it anyway, because I think it's a bigger deal in the big picture. And it's that, and it relates to what's coming up this week and for the next couple of weeks, is that I think maybe, knock on wood, the Eagles have kind of figured out the injury thing a little bit. Okay. I don't, it's a one year of results in terms of they backed off last off season in terms of having, you know, grueling practices right. and practicing a lot. Yeah. Shorter, fewer of them. There were no live I, sessions, meaning tackling to the ground. Players 
starters really didn't play in the preseason much at all, at all as much as they just did the scrimmages each week and there's a lot of consternation especially you know not to flex but i feel like i've been on the morning show wip with angelo and angelo's <laughs> like brandon how could they how could they possibly you know i'm not going to try to do oh that's, an, that's, that's they... definitely an angelo argument for sure you know if i, if I know my so, angelo yeah Yes. And to me, it's like, okay, but I think you have to give them the benefit of the doubt for right now for, for knowing, because you know, the, the argument is like, well, they started slow last year and there's some truth to that. And maybe some of that is to blame, but they also played really good teams last year. So that's another factor. Um, so, but I think for right now, they kind of maybe have a formula that they can stay relatively healthy maybe not healthiest in the league year in year out but they can Mm -hmm. avoid being where they were in some of the late doug years yeah where they did get hurt a lot more often and their practices were longer and everything and you know i can't say there's a hundred percent correlation there i don't know that but i think they they're kind of doubling down on their approach and as you pointed out to me uh via text you you were talking about the training camp schedule yeah and it's relatively light very light they don't (laughs) They don't practice for more than two days in a row at any point. I feel like, <laughs> right. unless I'm mistaken. Well, so, okay, so there there are there are I think some rare examples, but uh, one of those three practices is a walkthrough. So like, it's not like a real right. practice. Like, it's not a physical practice in any way. So I think there's something possibly to that, and I think there's reason to. I'm being trying to be very careful with jinxing. I know I have immense power, listeners like to uh, point that out sometimes like, you jinxed it. Well, I'm like, I know it's hard to be this powerful. Um, but I, I do think that <laughs> maybe they have found their formula and there's reason to believe they will not be decimated by injuries. And let's say I'll spin this into maybe something more substantial. Even if they have some injuries, I think the depth they build up on the roster yes. for the most part, except for, you know, let's say like tight end, but at, like receiver and defensive line, some of these positions we've talked about, especially offensive line already mm-hmm. that, they really shouldn't there shouldn't be like one injury that is just like the season is over right now yeah. because we lost this player where I think a lot of teams have that if they have that one injury because who is that guy who is we've talked about it before who is like the most indispensable player on this roster I think some people would say Jason Kelsey and sir that would be very bad but at least you have someone maybe Lane like you said is up you can there I'd say pivot to Lane is it's a tough one Darius Slay, I think, is you know yeah, a, tough. a tougher one. Got um, it, as you said. Got it, got it. Be so. Yeah. There, there's definitely you know. Obviously, you have to get lucky with injuries, and and I think the thing you want to avoid the most is like you know the clustering of injuries at one specific position, mm-hmm. so you're not getting decimated. Um, but I think between their formula and I think between their roster depth, I think the point is they should be able to withstand injuries maybe better than they have in the past. Yeah, there was a concern last year that they were going to come out flat. And uh, they smoked Atlanta on the road right. in that first game. There is maybe the point to be made, and I think we made this point in a recent podcast. Uh, I don't know if it was on the podcast or if I did said this in a radio hit somewhere else. But it doesn't matter. Um, but they were like they led the league, and they're actually on pace for like breaking a record for the <laughs> for the most number of penalties in a season mm, up until a certain true. point. Like early in the season, they just had a crap ton of of penalties. Um, so up maybe until like the, the, the started to run the ball more really the Detroit yeah. game. And I think the season swung around. So maybe that played a part in like, maybe they, they were a little sloppy, uh, a fair point. first parts of the season, but I, I agree. I think that the, I agree with the strategy in theory that like, 
I mean, uh, certainly if they're they're if they're not practicing as hard and they're not practicing much, then the uh, the risk for injury is going to be lower. Like, there's just mm-hmm. no question about that. Um, so I agree that it makes sense to do that, but you just wonder what the balance is between that sure. and making sure that you're prepared for the start of the season. Now they play in Detroit week one this mm. year. That's a bad. So Detroit, I actually saw uh, some somebody on Twitter said betting markets like the 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 people that that the team that is drawing the most bets on the over this season so far this off season is Detroit. Mm-hmm. And then like there were uh, like Dan Campbell is getting like the most uh, bet is getting the most action betting wise for head coach of the year. And sure. uh, I think Deandre Swift, maybe like his odds or whatever they are, 60 to one, whatever they are, you know, 40 to one, whatever, whatever they are like to, to like lead the NFL in rushing. Like he's mm-hmm. getting the most action. I was, on, I, I was the- with them. For the first two, <laughs> for for that, I mean, well, he's getting the most action because the odds like are like you know long or whatever. So, um, but they're they're getting a lot of action in in Vegas for for various reasons, which is interesting. At least you can't lose to that team. So if you have like mm-hmm. a if you have like a, a training camp where like you're taking it easy, they only have fourteen practices, fourteen, and that's that's during like that's so that's in between the start of training camp and. The Wednesday. final preseason game. They'll have practices after that, of course, leading up to week one. But just as yeah. at, like just as the the training camp schedule stands, they have ten practices that are that are regular practices. Um, this this is excluding walkthroughs. So just ten regular yes. practices, like competitive practices, and then they have four joint practices, two each with the Browns and the Dolphins. Now, in normal years, they're usually up around like like 18 I'd say there have been years where they've been over 20 but I think for the mm-hmm. most part they're around like 18 somewhere in that range so yep. only have 14 practices it is kind of like mm, is that enough and, if and these again, practices are like an hour and a half long as they kind of have been like or as, as they were last year then eh, you get enough work so I don't, it'll be interesting to see but yeah if they do that you can't lose week one in Detroit just can't happen the Lions were only the four, fifth worst team last year, by the way, in point differential. There's like a bunch of reasons to believe. I think they can hit the over. So I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, their um, over under you know. is like six, I think. Actually, it's the six, only the sixth worst. That's that's pretty good. Like they finished with the second overall pick. Like they were they were a little bit better than their. They were I think better the than the indicated. second worst yeah. team in the league. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they were. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, not a Lions podcast, but we'll be talking about them leading up to that week one game. I'm yeah. sure. Um, I'm not, I'm sure I, I know it. We will. Uh, well, I mean, that's the same thing, I guess. Now I'm just talking to myself in circles. Jimmy, what is your next point? Uh, let's go cornerback because, um, mm. when we talked about, you know, the wide receivers not being a strength in a long time, I want my cornerback, 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 <laughs> chilies, chilies, cornerback, cornerback. ribs, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think the starters are all solid. Slay had a, you know, sort of, I think he had a disappointing first year in 2020. He didn't have the big plays, uh, that his, you know, nickname, you know, big play Slay monitor would, um, you know, you'd hope for. And then last year, huge plays in, in a number of games. Like he, like they might not beat the Saints, Panthers, Broncos without, the big plays that he made in those games. 
Um, so yeah, big, big season for him, made the pro bowl, uh, deservedly. So was probably their best player on defense last year. Um, so they need more big plays out of him this year, but then you have Bradbury who would, you know, be the number one quarterback on, you know, a small handful of teams in the NFL. Uh, I think Vontae Maddox is perfectly fine. Uh, slot corner, you know, a good year last year after, you know, a down year in 2020 when they were asking too much of them being an outside corner. And then, as we mentioned, you have all these young guys, um, we'll see in training camp if, if, you know, one or two, all they need is for one or two of those guys to show something, to show some mm-hmm. kind of promise. And there's like six or seven of these young corners that, uh, you know, that, that have the opportunity to do that. Um, but it's, I think it's a, it's a position of strength now, whereas the cornerback position has not, uh, been that for the Eagles over the last half decade or so, like even in their Super Bowl year. You know, Mills, I think his his legacy will age well in time. Uh, but the combo of him and Darby um, and Patrick Robinson just had a brutal training camp uh, that year. And then he, he turned out to be like one of the best slot corners in the NFL. On the outside, I always will clarify this. He had a brutal training camp playing on the outside. Once they moved him yeah, to the yeah, slot, yeah, he was right. fine in camp, and then he was good in the season. Yes. But those three guys, like you, you weren't heading into that season super confident about your cornerback, uh, about the cornerback position. But this year, I think you feel pretty good about Slay, Bradbury, and Maddox. And when you combine, you know, good cornerbacks with uh, an improved pass rush, like those two things kind of feed off of each other. The cornerbacks benefit, of course, from, I mean, the cornerbacks benefit a ton from getting a better pass rush. And then it works to a lesser degree, but um, it, mm-hmm. it works the other way too, where, you know, good cornerback play allows for, you know, the pass rush a little more time, maybe in some circumstances uh, to get to the quarterback. So I think they improved the press pass rush, as you said earlier. And then uh, I think on the back end, they're, they're better equipped to handle some of these uh, offenses that have, you know, high powered, uh, you know, receivers and, and passing game. And also I feel like potentially being able to help the safeties at times. I think there was a clip going around of Slay last year. I don't remember which one it was the safety he was talking to might've been Epps. But he was like, don't worry about like shadowing me. Like just, you know, worry about the other side of the field. Like cheat over there. I'm going to lock this guy down. I think it was when they were playing the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was the game he was mic'd up for. So yeah. it certainly helps that it was a lesser opponent. But still, you know, right. like being able to kind of like dedicate less resources at times and kind of making hopefully life easier on those guys a bit where you can. Um, yeah, corner is a strength. Slay's coming off a pro ball year. I do think it's a little funny how like the fumble returns color his season a bit in terms of the Broncos and the Lions games. Mm. He touchdowns, but the, those aren't like necessarily, you know, they're not like, well, the Broncos the one was a, I mean, that was a, like the, the return that he had on that was awesome. It was really good, but it's not like sustainable in terms of like, there's no guarantee <laughs> even like recovers a fumble this year. Like it's yeah. not, you can't like rely on the, that product. It's nice that if it does happen, it can happen. Yes, I agree. But like, it's kind of, it's just like a weird thing to count on moving forward. I don't know how much, you know, you can replicate something like that uh, other than he did have a knack for making big plays last year. And the Eagles I mean, he did hope... two, two pick sixes against Panthers uh, well, and, uh, yes. and the Saints. Though those, yes, I would point to those more as, you know, meaningful and, and lasting. So we'll see about that. Bradbury, you know, I think at the very least you're getting a competent cornerback. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, Pro Bowl form like he was a couple of seasons ago, but you don't feel like he's going to be a weakness there. Maddox, I think is a really nice slot corner to have. So that's a good top trio. And then I feel decent about the depth behind them. Like if you have to put Andre, well, no, he's kind of playing more at safety now. Andre Shashir, I was going to say, because he's been the backup nickel in the past. But if you have to put what, like a Josiah Scott in there, a backup nickel, like 
oh, it'd probably be fine. Um, McPherson, I thought, showed a lot of good things in training camp last year. And then when he had to play in limited action, I don't think he was terrible. So I think if Zach McPherson has to start, let's say, you know, a couple games at cornerback because either Slay or Badbury gets hurt, I think you can survive that at the very least, uh, if if not him being an outright, like, decent, good player. So, uh, and then, yeah, to your point, they have all these other backups at corner, these young guys between Kerry Vincent Jr. and Mac McCain, which I will I will plant the flag for Mac McCain being my guy, even though he didn't start really? in the finale last year. Okay. Uh, over Tate Gowan and Kerry Vincent Jr. I think and I think Kerry Vincent Jr. might actually be the best from that bunch. Um, he did some things in the finale last year, and he had a good OTA performance, from what I remember. I think, and if I'm not mistaken, he is a second team corner, uh, or he was lining up that way in the spring. So the team seems to have some hope for him, and they, and they liked him enough to trade something sure. for him, like just him. Like the, they traded for Tate Gowan, but he was more of a throw in. And Mac right, McCain first, was claimed yeah. off of waivers. They actually gave up something of value, albeit low value. It was like a seventh round pick or I think whatever. It was six. Or six, whatever. But still, they gave up something for him. Um, so something to monitor. Uh, but yeah, the cornerback should be, I guess, what kind of, how would you rank the cornerbacks? Is that like a top what group in the NFL? I'd have to top. look. But it's hard to, I know, just, off with, the top of your head. Just, so, well, yeah. Uh, I'd say they're borderline. No, they're not top five, I don't think. But, but they have to I be think top they're top. Qu- well, I'll go top quarter quarter of the league. So top eight. Top eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think that's about right. By the way, okay. I'd like to correct myself uh, before somebody tweets at me that he, that he didn't have a pick six against Carolina. Uh, he had two interceptions against Carolina, mm. but neither were pick sixes. Okay. I mean, <laughs> do you even know anything about the Eagles? Or? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go uh, chalk, by the way. I'm going to say the, the, the CB4 is McPherson. I'm okay. So I have one last one. I agree with you. Oh, I agree with you in terms of CB4. Oh, okay. I, I didn't mean for CB4. I meant like B. I meant of all the guys after that, all the, like, oh, okay. you know, who's going to step up. Yeah. I think McPherson is clearly CB4. And then after that, it's just a big, you know, I'm going to go Gowan. of unproven players. Yeah. So you're going, I, I you're going Vincent. McCain. I'm going Gowan. Well, I think Matt, I think, Oh no, you Vincent want McCain? Best, my, my bad. But I'm McCain. planting my flag on McCain because I think his name is cool. <laughs> number one, and uh, he was good on special teams. I think last year, from what I remember, and I think that's important for making the roster. Neil so, Dutton had a good point on Mac McCain, where like he sounds like uh, like he's the 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 loose cannon cop on the cop mm, show. Mac McCain, like, McCain, turn in your gun. <laughs> you cost the city a million dollars. You're on suspension for two weeks and don't be poking around this case anymore. <laughs> I like that. Um, good Again, good name. Mac McCain the third, too. I like the three in there. Uh, although, Kerry Vincent Jr., KVJ, that's, like a, that's a unique, you know, I, I like the three okay. initials. Yeah. Three initials is always a good thing, people would say. KVJ kind of um, rolls. Yeah, KVJ. Um, all right. Some good analysis here. My last thing I think will be <laughs> Linebackers, they have some linebackers. Maybe, yeah. um, maybe TJ Edwards. <laughs> I think came on late last year. Not that we didn't already kind of know what he was, but seemed to play his best football um, as the season went on. So you have him coming back. Kaiser White. I've talked before about how our good friend Michael Peterson from Bolts from the Blue, SB Nation's mm-hmm. Chargers site, is like lamenting still that the Chargers lost him, and he kind of had a career last year. Uh, so there's some reason to be optimistic about him. 
you have Nicobe Dean, who I didn't even mention, the top two guys, and could be potentially a difference maker early on. I think at the very least, he's going to provide some interesting pass rush juice. Not to say he's going to be Micah Parsons or anything, mm-hmm. but to, to just to be able to kind of contribute as a blitzer and help the pass rush um, is another point in favor of the defensive line, too, as a whole, as we talked about earlier. And then, like, those are your top three guys. Okay. Like Davion Taylor might be something still. He showed some promise. He couldn't stay healthy, but he looked improved from yeah, he year did. one oh, to sure. year two improved. last year, yeah. which wasn't saying a ton. But like he's still in the mix. Might not make the roster, depending on how things shake out. We'll see. Um, but he's still around. Sean Bradley, I don't think is you know hasn't really proven himself so much as a defensive player yet, but I think is a good special teams guy and gives you like some decent depth there. So. Yep. That's this is way much more talent and upside and potential they've had at linebacker in some time. I don't think linebacker. See, I'm saving this for last because I don't think like linebacker is like you know uber important necessarily. Although maybe you could argue it is more so in this defense, the defense that Gannon wants to run. So uh, I'm arguing with myself here, but I will say the fact that not they're necessarily going to have great linebackers, but they will at least seemingly have respectable linebackers is another good thing. Yeah, I think every year we kind of trick ourselves into thinking the linebackers are going to be better than they were the year before. <laughs> um, and every year, whoever they sign in free agency <laughs> doesn't even make it through the season, like yep. Zach Brown and um, uh, LJ Tavis Ford Brown retires Nelson, before the season. <laughs> yeah, Eric Wilson. The, the, yeah, the list just goes on. There's like more than a half dozen of these guys that don't even make it through the season. Some of them don't even make it through camp. Um, but who is who is the guy they signed from the Broncos? Corey Nelson. Corey Nelson. Okay. You mentioned uh, what Jatavis Brown, right? Who retired? Yeah, <laughs> he retired before the before even training camp began. I think right. Or, yeah. Or is it like there were like maybe one or two practices in? Or, I don't remember. But no, it was like early, oh, early okay. on. Yeah. But yeah, so hopefully for the Eagles' sake. Kaiser White uh, breaks that trend. <laughs> like, me, can the guy make it through the entire season? That'd be, that'd be that, like that a, would be a, a win, <laughs> right? Uh, Eric but Nelson they don't have like even, they, what's that? Didn't even mention Eric. Wait, what's his name? Eric Nelson. Uh, right? I said Eric Wilson. Yeah, okay, we, were, yeah Wilson, we were both sorry, naming linebackers Nelson. at the same time. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they've had like not a lot of luck at the linebacker position. So hopefully, for for their sake, Kaiser White can make it through the season uh, at a minimum. And it'll be interesting to see like how those guys, how their snaps are sort of doled out because TJ Edwards is going to be the mic. Um, he's he's going to play the mic position anyway. Uh, Kaiser White is going to play the will position. And then they're going to cross train uh, Nicobe Dean at the mic and the will. Um, so it'll be, it'll be, you know, like, like, like it'll be interesting to see how much each of those guys play. And I don't think, you know, we even have to look at necessarily like who, is going to start among those three guys because they're going to play yeah. situationally. And as you mentioned, Taylor can still maybe be some. I really like Sean Bradley a lot. I think he hasn't gotten enough opportunities to play on defense. I agree with that. Given the the crap that they've had there like the last couple of years, uh, I'd like to see but more But he's not of him. proven is what I would say. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. But he, he has been good on special teams. He was, in my opinion, the bigger reason they blocked the punt against the Panthers that won right. that game than TJ Edwards was who actually blocked the punt. Um, and then but one yeah, special uh, teams player of the week I think or something. The, I, I think the, uh, the overall statement about the linebackers here would be, I think there's more reason for optimism there than the misguided optimism that has sort of been there. What? Like the last five years, the last like hit that they've had in free agency on a linebacker was, and I mean, for the draft for that matter too, is, is Nigel Bradham. 
who was yeah, awesome, I mean, by the way, in 2017, but and then thereafter, not as much. We've seen some evidence here. I think it's to your point. Like we we've seen Edwards play at at the very least a respectable level. Yeah. He's not like a, he's not a bad player. We know that. I think we can comfortably say that. Kaiser White again coming off of a career year, and also he's the biggest investment the Eagles have made in that position in a while. They gave him five million dollars. That they haven't they weren't giving you know like Corey Nelson and all these other guys five million dollars. That doesn't mean it's guaranteed to work because they spent more. But it's a it's a more serious investment. And so is taking Nicobe Dean. I know he's a third round and Davion Taylor was in the third round, but you know, that was a guy who thought people thought could be much higher than that. So I think that's another serious investment. And Taylor, you know, I don't still don't know what he is on the field, haven't seen enough of that, but reason to believe again he could be better, or at least, you know, seeing him from year one to now year three and actually playing be better and healthy, assuming he can stay healthy. So yeah, I just think they have enough there where it's not going to be a liability. I think that's that, that's that should be a reasonable expectation. If they're a liability, then that's a, that's a big failure. All right, now my last one. What if Jalen Hurts is good? This isn't. <laughs> I like how this isn't. This isn't even like. <laughs> is this really optimistic? Because well, okay, so like, there are if? there are reasons for optimism. I mean, he's go. He's heading into year three. So there is reasonable enough optimism that he can make a jump from, I mean, cause he was better in year two than he was in year one. So there's reasonable enough um, reason <laughs> for him to be better in year three than he was in year two. And then you also have the, uh, the fact that the entire coaching staff is returning this year. So it's, it'll be the first time either in his pro or college career that he is going to be running the same offense that he did the, the previous season. He's had a different offensive mm-hmm. coordinator every single and quarterback coach for that matter, every single year of his career from, you know, going from college to the pros. So um, I think that's overrated a little bit at times, but um, Sam Bradford, but I do think that Alex there Smith. is something to it. At least there is a comfort level there. He won't be learning on the fly as much as, as he was a year ago and kind of focus on some, you know, some of the deficiencies in his game as opposed to, you know, learning an offense and, and trying to command it and run it and everything. He does, like that's all set. Like he knows the offense, he can command the offense. It's just, can he get better at the things that he's not good at, which is accuracy and getting the ball out a little more, a little more quickly, throwing to the middle of the field, throwing to the left side of the field, uh, not relying on his legs as much as he has. Um, so yeah, I mean, he can sort of focus on those things as opposed to being focused on, playbook of course the flip side of having the same uh coaching staff and playbook and all that stuff is now teams know what the eagles like to do with him and they know what he likes uh mm-hmm. what they know what he likes to run so opposing defenses are going to try to take that away like the giants did twice at the end of the year last year and the buccaneers did so successfully uh in the playoff game last year so can the eagles um you know find ways to you know not uh, you know, to sort of stay ahead uh, of the of these defenses that you know kind of have a beat on how to stop him, and can Hertz improve in some of the areas that um, that opposing defenses are willing to test him on? Like, can you can you do it? Can you show us that you can do this? And if you can't, then we're not going to worry about it. And we're going to attack what you do well. So, like, I think uh, uh, I think he can improve in year three, and if he does then they'll be a better team, obviously, because their roster is a lot better and he'll be better and yay, happy, joy, joy all around. And they're going to go to the playoffs again. If he can be substantially better, then they're Super Bowl contenders. Because as you mentioned in the first point, 
they play a lot of terrible teams this year with a lot of bad quarterbacks. And the count, you know, the, the follow-up point to that was the NFC sucks. So the, it's not a high bar to clear, in my opinion, in the NFC this year uh, with only three teams that are definitively, I mean, there, there's debatable, you know, whether there's more teams than three, but there are three teams definitively better than, than them in the NFC right now. Um, and, you know, the, I think it's kind of wide open in the, in the NFC. And if he can be better, they might have something. This is supposed to be optimism, and you're like, if. Um, so the first thing I'll say is that on the point of, you know, he'll he'll have a full off season, you know, to finally be in the same. And you just wrote an article about this for Philly Voice today about, you know, Jalen Hurts is having more continuity entering this season than he's ever had. Mm-hmm. And I think there's definitely some value in that. But at the same time, he said there's another side to that coin. I The, the biggest storyline from year one to year two outside of Deshaun Jackson being released um, from for those Eagles was how are teams going to react? How is, is Chip Kelly going to be able to counter, you know, is, is, cause teams are going to have a full off season on his scheme <laughs> and they're going to be able to study it. That, that yeah. was said like a billion times and it ended up being kind of true yeah, in oh, terms sure. of the offense wasn't as ahead. good. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't. So yeah, you're going to need to see if the Eagles can counter to the counter punch basically uh, when it comes to Hertz, because yes, the last time we did see him, the Bucks basically had the blueprint out, and it's just like, don't let him roll right, <laughs> and then yeah. he couldn't do anything. So that'll be interesting to see. I definitely think Hertz can improve, and you know, it's all perspective here. But I, I think like, there's Darren Hertz offers a floor. I very firmly believe he gives you a floor. So does Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and those are players you can win with. I'd like to see Jalen Hurts become a win because of player, at least in some spots, more than, you know, not really much at all. So um, he he shouldn't have to always do that. It's not just about the quarterback, but it's it's a lot about the quarterback. So we will see. I'd be lying if I said I have a lot of confidence in him. So I'm not going to bring us down here on the optimism pod if I... I mean, I probably already have, but I'm not trying to. Uh, so I, I can't really be like, I'm on board with this. I, I do think it's possible. I'm not going to rule it out because I think you look at all the intangibles and the work ethic and everything. And I, I do think there's a path for him. And I, I feel confident as the Eagles do that he will reach his ceiling. But, you know, what is the ceiling is always the question that, that comes back to my mind. So uh, that's all I have to say for about sure. him. But if he's good. Well, he was good, yeah. Then they're they could be Super Bowl favorites if he's legitimately good. They could be the 2017 Eagles, right? Sure. So it'll look different, but they could. Yeah, but there's an avenue there. There's a path. We're talking about like a path. Yeah. So there you go. There's your headline. BLG says the 2022 (laughs) Eagles could be the 2017 Eagles. Feel free to run with that, anyone. Um, Any final thoughts, Jimmy? Hmm. Final thoughts. Uh, hmm. I am. Hmm. I don't know. I had a final thought and I don't remember what it was. I can go first. We need me to yeah. buy time. All right. So I picked up the Wawa Shore T. That's S-H-O-R-E space T-E-A. Shore T. Oh, which right. is a collab between, not a sponsor, by the way. I wish they were. I really, Jimmy, I wish more than anything, potentially in my life, that Wawa would sponsor BGN Radio slash just me, even. Just sponsor me. I'm wearing a Wawa hat right now. People can't see it, but Jimmy can verify I'm wearing a Wawa hat. Sure, and look, I'm wearing a Wawa shirt as well. So <laughs> it's really out of control over here. But anyway, 
uh i got that it's like a it's a hard iced tea uh and again a collab between cape may brewing and wawa cape may brewery and wawa and really good so uh i don't even know if they're still selling it in terms of like i imagine it might be sold out potentially already because it seems like pretty popular i went to one location in uh langhorn uh on on friday and it was all sold out so uh, I don't know if you can get it, but if you can, Jimmy, if you see it somewhere, there's only select locations. It's not just every Wawa. Give it a try. It's pretty good. Obviously, drink responsibly, all that good stuff. But uh, it's good. I like it. I love Wawa. Somehow, so, someone listening to this podcast, Jimmy, has to know someone who works at Wawa. Like, like hook us up. Give me a care package. Give me something. I'll, I will I will do anything. I was almost going to say sell my soul. Maybe that's a little too much. I will almost do anything to get a plug for Wawa. This is very desperate of me. And maybe unbecoming, but I just, I love it so much. I can't help it. I have a problem. Anyway, <laughs> that's my final thought is I have a problem. I love Wawa way too much. And my, when I got married way back in the day, I wanted to have uh, a Wawa kiosk at a hundred percent. Why for, would you for, not like for that, for the, like the, the cocktail hour, uh, like uh, before the wedding reception right. began where like people could boop, 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 boop. And you know, get like a Wawa hoagie. <laughs> yes. Why would you uh, not? But uh, there, the it was too complicated and difficult, and Wawa no. didn't seem interested in uh, <laughs> in in, uh, in humoring me on that one. Um, anyway, my final thought would be: I think we can say what we're going to do during training camp. Uh, if the sure. diehards are listening this far in, hour and a half into the podcast, why not? <laughs> um, so we're going to have like sideline during practice. During the the boring parts of practice, like uh, while the, they're stretching and doing individual drills and whatever, we're going to have these like one-on-one or maybe two-on-one occasional um, uh, interviews with the other beat writers. So we'll talk with those guys, you know, kind of tell stories about, um, I don't know, beefs with players, story, you know, funny stories from the road, uh, like on road games and stuff. Um, just, you know, the various, uh, quirks about, uh, various beat writers, like, I don't know, well, I'm sure we'll talk to like ESP about his hot takes and like, uh, Jeff McLean and his run-ins with the team and stuff like that. So, um, they don't know anything about this by the way. So like, <laughs> they may be, they may be willing or, or not willing participants in, in this thing or whatever, but, uh, we're, we're just going to hang out and like talk to, uh. Uh, you know, the other beat writers during the slow parts of practice and they'll be short. They'll be like 10, 15 minute long podcasts. Um, I'll include them in my practice notes, practice mm-hmm. notes rather uh, each day. Brandon Same. may as well. Um, but yeah, the, the, I think there'll be, that'll be like a fun little short. Uh, the, there'll be fun little short podcast episodes uh, that you can kind of just blow through on your walk. Run. Yeah. Drive, it's bonus whatever. content, really. Yeah, exactly. You know, if if, you, if you, it's not for you, then skip it. Whatever. Download. I think it still, they'll, I think they'll be fun, it. though. The, the, those, yeah. are, I think those will be very fun. It's it's a bit. It'll be a little different, just for people who are not understanding it. And uh, look, the goal. I think the mission statement for me, Jimmy, and I'll allow you to co-sign this is going into training camp every year is like make the listeners, the readers, the fans feel like they're at training camp because they can't yeah. be for most of the time. So what can we do to make people f- like feel like they're there with us? And my, the way I think about that is like, you know, give really good detailed training camp notes, have the pods each day, you know, where we, we go through some, not only the notes, but like, you know, just different things that happen. And I think this adds a new flavor to everything is like, you know, 
getting to hear from some of the people and different perspectives that we might not get. So that's another bonus. Uh, you know, we're, two, we're just two people there. Maybe we, we're seeing things a way that someone else right. isn't seeing and that doesn't for, you know, for better or for worse, it's up to you to decide, but it'll, it'll be good. So, and also, you know, the goal to be to get those podcasts out. Ideally, if we can, if the editing works out with every Rochelle and everything like during the practice. So, like while you're waiting potentially for the post practice pod, you might already have yeah, that to kind of like to kind of yeah. hold you over a little bit. So that is the goal. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, we're doing it for the first time, so there might be logistical issues or whatnot. We'll see. We'll try to. We're, we're doing our best here, but uh, hopefully, you'll enjoy that and you know give us feedback if you like them or not. Uh, let us know once they're up. So yeah, but at the very least, Jimmy, for guaranteed 100. Uh, we will also have the daily training camp recap pods we'll keep those to about 30 minutes or so each day get into some of the biggest highlights from practices we'll get into our mvp lvp and play of the day awards that we did each each Mm -hmm. day last year and that's always i think fun to kind of tally up at the end of training camp and see you know who kind of stands out over the others quez watkins was up there last year for sure um jordan milata was also up there last josh wet those are like some of the biggest winners last year early in camp Yes, that was kind of telling. Now Dillard was the biggest loser, but he also had a bad camp. He did. That was, that was just the kind of what it was. Yeah, and he did lose the job. He didn't win the starting left tackle job. So it wasn't Rager like, even had like some. Uh, like so, he had a few great catches that sort of yes. clouded the opinion of like what he actually yes. did throughout the entirety of camp. But he had a bad camp. Yes, um, right. Who else had a bad? Hurts early on actually kind of had a bad camp, but he got better as camp sort of went along. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't mean to you know open up a new topic here as we're trying to shut the podcast down here, but it, but because there's so few practices this year, like it'll be interesting to see if like he starts slow again and whether he has enough time to kind of like uh, you know kind of get his sea legs under him and and uh, warm up and and get better like as camp moves on as he like he did last year. Like by the time we got the joint practices, he was playing mm-hmm. well in those joint practices against the Patriots and the Jets, sure. for example. Uh so yeah, I don't maybe maybe that's a getting back to the the you know the 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 easier practices and the low number of practices. Maybe uh-huh. that's one of the uh the uh negatives to that. So anyway. uh also I forgot to mention Within that, I think I said this last week or so, we also be doing the daily Jalen Hurts stock tracker. We'll do yes. a stock up, stock even, or stock down each single day as well. So we'll kind of get a, a gauge of him in addition to the MVP LVP yeah, like stuff one. for the entire roster. So I think that'll be a good way to kind of measure his progress. All right, so that's that's exciting. That's coming up this week. Training camp will be here, daily pods, as long as they're, they're practicing. Um, and then that'll eventually just roll us into the season. So, uh, yeah. Good episode, last off-season episode, really, Jimmy, for us. Mm-hmm. We made it through. The fans made it through the dead zone. Um, we'll have this very long episode to hold them over until training camp. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm and writing the, down and the Ospreys on Birds with Friends too, which I haven't listened to yet, but it was like three hours. <laughs> Shout out to Shield moving to the Ringer. Yeah. Uh, we love Shield. Um, yeah, not much more to say. Uh, I, well, I guess I will say quickly about Shield. Uh, one of the first. The the first Eagles beat reporter I ever met, other than you, which I don't count, because like I already kind of knew you, yeah. Um, but like I feel like no one else kind of knew who I was. I felt that way. Maybe they had heard, you know they've heard of BGN, mm-hmm. whatever. But I didn't feel like that as a twenty one year old at the time at my first Eagles training camp practice, not knowing what the heck I was doing in twenty thirteen, feeling nervous being in the media room with everyone, like all these people like I followed on Twitter right. for years, and it was just like very intimidating. 
Uh, and I was actually in, that was back when the Eagles media facility was in the team's building. Just being in the team's building is just like a weird feeling again, as someone who grew up and loved the team, grew up and loved the team so much. Uh, I remember she was the first person uh, you ever introduced me to because he kind of like sat right behind you and he was just like the nicest guy. And yeah. I felt, I just felt better. I instantly felt better about everything in life with, with <laughs> training camp. Like, cause it was just, he was, cause he was just very calm and nice. Yeah. It was less, it made everything less scary. And I have a lot of anxiety uh unnecessarily so so uh shout out to shield for being a good dude and a nice guy um you know what yeah. that was for me by the way like the, the the first really nice person to me when i started covering training camps tom moore okay nicest sixers. dude on the planet <laughs> more, sixers, uh, more sixers than anything else yeah super I mean, he's nice still guy. around yeah. still around eagles training camp sure. i remember he was i was talking to him last year but yeah absolutely uh actually used to kind of post comments sometimes i believe on liberty ballers way back in the okay. day so yeah kind of a friend of sp nation at some level i feel like uh all right to me let's wrap this bad boy up yep i'm brandon lee gowton you can follow me on twitter and instagram where i'll be posting training camp updates and pictures and everything at brandon gowton that's where you want to follow me on those channels follow jimmy kemsky on twitter at jimmy kemsky check out his work at phillyvoice.com check out my work bleedinggreennation.com podcast here obviously bleeding your nation podcast feed rate review subscribe all that good stuff we appreciate it you can leave a rating on spotify you can leave rating and review on apple podcast you can um what else can you, you can follow subscribe to the bleeding your nation youtube channel obviously you don't want to miss out on that we have the nfc east mixtape episodes up there each week at the very least if not more shows jimmy we should probably eventually get on there we're overdue uh we'll we'll, we'll try to work through that at some point um, you can check out Righteous Felon Craft Turkey by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. The same discount code works at WildNaturePet.com for 15% off dog treats. BGN15, WildNaturePet.com, RighteousFelon.com. That's how you do it. Uh, you can call, text the following phone number if you're looking to buy, sell, rent a house. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five, or go to roachrealtors dot com, or go to roachrealtors dot com. Jimmy, we will see each other in person on Wednesday. That's right, and I look forward to it. Likewise, buddy. Goodbye, everybody. B G N. <laughs> <laughs>